The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right. Hi, I'm Tim Higgins. We are on my porch in Greensboro, Alabama, and I'm going to sing a song for you called The Quitter.
can wish upon a star For things no one ever knew But I'll just stare down on my feet My dreams cannot come Maybe God don't love me Like God loves you Maybe God don't love me Like God loves you Maybe God don't love me Maybe God don't Alright, welcome you to Porch Talk. As Tim told you, we're in Greensboro. It's my first time being here, and we're right in the heart of it. Uh, Tim, thank you for the hospitality, man. Well, thank you for coming down and yeah, listening man. to my, as Dolly Parton describes it, her sad-ass songs. These are my sad-ass songs. <laughs> the Quitter. The Quitter. Yeah. And uh, the line at the end, maybe God doesn't love me. Yeah. Like he loves you. That's heavy. Yeah, I guess I sort of... Anything that is like the worst thing you can think or say, um, that's what I like to sort of write and think about. I um, sort of fills me with a, um, you know, like when you read Flannery O'Connor or, you know, these Southern Gothic writers and it's like, oh, you know what's going to happen. You know it's going to be terrible, yeah. but you have to get through it and it brings you some sort of joy and satisfaction. That's, a, that's what it does for me. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. Well, dude, uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Okay. Um, Let's start with, uh, where are you from, man? Like, where'd you grow up? So, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Not Detroit, Mississippi. Um, <laughs> and I lived there until I was 13, 14, somewhere there, and then I moved down to Gulf Shores, Alabama. And so my dad retired, and he wanted to retire where he vacationed. Mm -hmm. So, I was the youngest of six, and when I was, I guess, in starting high school, my next closest sibling had just graduated so we left everyone behind in Michigan and went down and lived on the beach <laughs> and it was a different world <laughs> yeah no kidding but I went from being you know like a only or like being the youngest in a giant family to like being an only child and then they started sort of trickling down south too and um we're sort of split between the two now but um yeah I sort of had a very different growing up experience than they had yeah. Very different. So what about music? When did it come into your life? What did that look like? Music? There is no musical person really in my immediate family, which yeah. is interesting. I think my aunts on my dad's side, they played like piano, but nothing like original. Yeah. And I always wanted a guitar. I always wanted a piano. And I remember, um, okay, this is not going to be like the cool kid, like, you know, <laughs> the cool kids are like learning Nirvana songs and Almond Brothers and everything. Yeah. No, I was probably nine or ten years old, and I had um, on my VCR set to record the top ten countdown, you know, and 
it was Jules who will save your soul, and she was playing her guitar, and I watched it constantly. I recorded it, yeah. and my dad was like, "Oh, would you like to play guitar?" And I was like, "Yeah, oh my God, I want to play guitar." Say, like, "Oh, you like Jewel? You want to marry Jewel?" Like, "No, I want to be Jewel." <laughs> and so um, that year for my birthday, I think when I was ten, I got this from an antique store. I got this little classical Spanish guitar with nylon strings uh-huh. and the bridge. You know, it's like four inches wide. It, my little hands couldn't play it, you know? Yeah. And then, I guess it's when we moved to Alabama, there was this crazy guy in Foley, Alabama, named Chip. I don't know his last name, but he had a recording studio and, like, in the phone book or something, it was, like, guitar lessons, music lessons, studio lessons, and it was, like, in a section of his house, and I, like, convinced my parents to, like, take me there for guitar lessons. Yeah. And he taught me to lick to Sweet Home Alabama. (laughs) Of course he did, right? (laughs) And, um... We're not getting a jewel. No, and he wanted me to do... Oh, my God, it was, like, Nickelback or something. And I was like, you know, what if I, um... I like to write songs. I want to learn how to do that. And so he and I actually started just like, I would bring these lyrics and like a melody in and then we'd sort of hammer it out. And then it wasn't until he disappeared. He like went, his wife left him or something and he went and lived on his boat and things got weird. And, um, cause it's South Alabama, of yeah. course. And, um, he, um, or it was from there, like losing that sort of outlet. This is like the theme of my life. Like I had to learn how to write songs alone. And that's when I like picked up the guitar and started, you know, so my lessons weren't ever really formal formal or strategic or anything. It was basically, yeah. I started watching Joni Mitchell's hand, and I was like, what the hell is that spider hand doing? And I sort of figured it out from there. Like, oh, you can whack it and get a sound? Yeah. So, cool, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, I don't know where you go from there, but... <laughs> no. Um, so we're still in Gulf Shores. Um, yeah. Where would you go from there? And why oh would you, And why would you leave? I left Gulf Shores. I was going to, I graduated high school down there. And everyone, you know, this is the age of like hardcore bands. Everyone was in a hardcore band, Screamo, and everybody, or it was like the cool kids singing like Jack Johnson covers. Yeah. And that was like not me at all. I couldn't, I did, I was like listening to, um, Bob Dylan's Love and Theft and I was listening to Joni Mitchell's Dog Eat Dog you know like so far and 10,000 Maniacs all these socially conscious like you know music for like at that time like old people people are coming around to it now (laughs) so I went to college I went to Auburn for a year and I don't know how I ended up there I really don't know how I like blacked out or something I thought I was going to Montreal I was like I'm moving to Montreal I got accepted to school up there, and then I was in a car moving into this little roach-infested apartment in Auburn. I think it's torn down now. <laughs> and then I, was, I lasted like two weeks, um, you know, mentally. And then I was, at the next year, I went, started at UA in Tuscaloosa. And really in Tuscaloosa is where I found music people. Okay. So, and I mean, Auburn was extremely short-lived. Did you get to see I was there like- for, like, the school year... Opalaka, did you get in that music scene at all? I didn't know anybody. I didn't know. I sat in my disgusting apartment. Okay, well, I shouldn't knock it too much because in Auburn, I did write. I wrote The Quitter in Auburn. That's like a 10-year-old song. And I wrote, I learned how to, like, form a song, and I found my voice. And that was really, um, you know, you can't really, maybe in this, like, pandemic age where everyone's been sitting alone for a year, 
Um, I sat alone for a year, mm-hmm. and I like figured out how to um, what I wanted to sound like and what I wanted to write about. And I don't know if any time since then that I've ever been so like in my head like with plot lines. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, what do I want to say? And just like walking under a tree and being like, oh, this tree, this and that. Maybe it's like a little bit like romantic, but I was really thinking hard about yeah. writing then. And now I'm like so critical. <laughs> it's like I've developed this very critical. I'm like, that's stupid. Don't say that. <laughs> I write a lot less songs now, but I think that they're probably better than the mumbo jumbo I came out with. But I did hear this quote from Jacob Dylan one time, and he said, songwriting's like a faucet. It's like if you don't do it for a while, and you turn it on, you get a lot of brown water. Yeah. But the more you do it, it's going to come clear. And so that was like, Auburn was my like clearing the yeah, water leaving, year. Leaving the faucet on. Yeah. yeah. And then I got to Tuscaloosa. And in Tuscaloosa, I found... What was you studying? Political science. Yeah. I don't know. I... <laughs> Everyone else went to law school, yeah. or they um, were going to go work for like Senator Shelby's office and try to be a politician. I studied um, post mostly post-Soviet democratization because I had a lot of friends who were like from Moldova, Romania, Russia that would come and work cleaning condos and stuff in Gulf Shores in the summer, uh-huh. and those were like my friends in high school. Yeah. <laughs> As a, you know. a little bit on that history, huh? Yeah. And, the, you know, it's come in handy in the Trump era, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like hey, I remember that. You know, oh, yeah, the Twitter revolution, the Orange Revolution. <laughs> all these people in jail for the same crap. Yeah. Um, but in Alabama, or at UA, in Tuscaloosa, I started a band called Bible Study. And, all right, this is Monk wanted to yeah, ask about this. Yeah, and Monk showed up to one of our... Okay, so how Bible Study formed... How, yeah, even the name. Well, we had a lot of names, and some things, you know, are not PC anymore. <laughs> um, but when you're, you know, twenty, you're twenty-one, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but so basically, there was a guy in Birmingham. You, a lot of people know him. You probably know him, David Allen. Um, I don't think I do. Um, well, actually, I misstated that. I misgendered David Allen. Um, she is in Birmingham, and she uh, used to run this uh, at the Green Bar. Do you remember the Green Bar? In Tuscaloosa, it was next to Will Hagen's. Yes. And she put together, like, with book bands and put together bills. And so I wanted to have a variety spectacular. Tim Hagen's variety spectacular. And I could come play my sad-ass songs. And then I'd have, you know, poets come and read. Um, this is West Alabama this is, sounds. This is, this is Alabama. <laughs> Road time. War Eagle. Um... All right, and there's so a church band, and there's a church band, yeah. um, and so we, I so I, I invited people to come and play music and to come, read poetry, read their short stories, and then from there there was sort of a group. Emily Dozierzel, who I actually went to high school with, and she was getting her masters in Al- at UN, mm-hmm. and she was living with me at the time, and she played violin and banjo and. Um, had been writing her own songs. Mm-hmm. And then Corey Hensel, who played flugelhorn, uh, and she's from Foley, actually. I didn't know her until um, we were in Tuscaloosa. And then there was another guy named Dan Walker, and he was with us in the beginning, and then he literally disappeared. Like, we played a show, and then he was gone. Like, never heard from him again. And then he's turned up again, but 
it's whatever. And um, we started just like, it was basically sort of a little collective for the three of us. Like, here's our songs. Yeah. And what can you do on it? What can you do? And we just hammered it out. Uh, neither of us, or none of us had ever been in a band, like, you know, a band before. So what did that feel like compared to Auburn? Like, when you were just turning the faucet on to now, like, you're hammering out songs as a group. Oh, my God. It was such a different... Is that like taking some weight off your shoulders? Or... <laughs> no, it was like... My brain was being twisted in places I'd never used before. <laughs> okay. It was like, oh, what's that part? It's like, you know, we were arranging for each other, but not knowing how to arrange. You know, we didn't have a drummer, and we all were pretty, like, loosey-goosey with everything. But when you have a trumpet and a banjo and a guitar and a violin, we were able to, like... And I don't play banjo, but I played the banjo in the Bible study band, you know, just whacking it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we described ourselves sort of as, like, convoluted folk music. Yeah. And Bo Hicks let us play a few times hey. at the world-famous Druid City Brewery. Shout out to Druid City Brewery, man. <laughs> Love those guys. We set up in the um, back room, you know, where the big... Oh, um, yeah, where all the kegs are. All the kegs are. Yeah. And we had, you know, paintings of... I don't know if they were his or we brought them of like 70s naked ladies, you know, vintage lamps and everyone just sat on the floor <laughs> and we just sort of made it a little happening. And that probably was our first like good gig. You put out the whole vibe. Too. Yeah, we put out the vibe. And I remember Monk was sitting on the floor and I didn't know who he was at the time. And he was just staring at us like we were aliens. <laughs> but, he, but he liked the aliens. Yeah. You know, he wasn't terrified. Yeah. Just full of wonder. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we had a song, uh, Corey wrote a song called Druid City about um, you left me here to rot in Druid City, you know, and so everyone screamed and went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I don't know if you know Ann Powers, um, she's an NPR music critic, and yes. she lived in Tuscaloosa for a while, and so with Ann Powers, she started um, helping us put together shows for like bigger acts that were traveling through mm -hmm. and we were doing those just around town mostly at the jemison mansion a historic house museum in town that i worked at and had keys to and so we just come in with some kegs and have a little like listening room like shelby earl came from seattle um um oh my god names are escaping me now um check the liner notes uh, uh, yeah what uh around what year was this about 2012, 13. Okay. Somewhere in there. Okay. And then in 2013 is sort of like my pivotal moment. Of, we lived in this neighborhood in downtown Tuscaloosa that was all owned by one family. Um, and, you know, just sort of decaying. They had used it as a research facility, but it was all these different houses like victorian houses turrets and towers and bungalows and just victorian houses and the company had moved family company had moved somewhere else in town and so we were just renting these houses out and had a big shared backyard so it was really communal and i got in sort of good with the family so they let me rent it out to whoever i wanted mm -hmm. and so it just sort of became a little like scene in the middle of downtown and in 2013 a developer came and was trying to buy the block to tear it all down to put up an extended stay um, motel and so and he was successful but we really rallied the cause and tried to fight city hall on it we knew we were going to lose but you know you have to shake the yeah you gotta fight yeah you gotta fight and make it just a little bit difficult for these asshole developers from 
somewhere else. I think I remember like exactly where you're talking about. At, well, ain't that right at the intersection coming off the bridge? Yeah, right before you get to Capitol Park. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. There, brand new hotel right there. Yeah, you're right. And you know, and there's a apartment building next door to it. And when we lived there, it was an empty lot except for two houses with Matter two fact, old that, ladies. That empty lot. When we used to go to the Tide Games, that's where the RVs used to park. Mm -hmm. Yep. It used to be a big RV scene. Yeah. And you would just walk, you know, right there uh, was the little strip back there. What is it with uh, Copper Top and all that? Yeah, right behind there. And yeah. the Tuscaloosa News and the amphitheaters behind us. I'd, uh, I'd be in bed. I remember when they built the amphitheater and I'd hear like the Alabama shakes like getting started. <laughs> and then someone would call and say, you know, oh, Neil Young sold out. They're just letting people in. So I just roll down the hill. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm not sure how this is how tickets work, but I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so. A lot of these songs on this album, I just put out Blight, are sort of written about trying to like fight against insurmountable odds. Like, I blew it. Sort of reads as a love song, but it's more like this like, damn it, I couldn't, all my friends live here and you know, these aren't just like college kids. They're like older people and people who just are like working in town doing things like, and they have affordable rent in the heart of downtown. And, um, and also, like, I liked my big crazy house, and I liked our community garden and our little center. Yeah. It doesn't really, you know, in this fight of gentrification, gentrification and everyone's against it, and other people are like, well, we have to have something. It's like, well, this is where people live. Like, we live here. That was one thing a city council person said. Like, those, that, those houses are zoned commercial. No one even lives there. We're like, you said houses. <laughs> like you said houses a paper said zoning yeah. so a lot of these and the last track on the album ruins um it's about capitol park if you're not familiar it's tuscaloosa was the capital of the state for a little bit mm -hmm. in the 1800s and um it was a big greek revival building with columns and a copper dome on top of the highest hill in town at that point so as you came down the black warrior river you'd look up and there'd be this beacon of democracy above you well democracy for the few right yeah. and and um it burned at some point and so they sort of left these romantic ruins you know of, of the columns toppled over um and so when i wrote that song it was about being in those ruins and thinking about how sometimes there's no ruins even left you know there's no ruins of my time in tuscaloosa it's all bulldozed everything has been yeah. new and shiny and stuccoed um but the real kicker with that song is this, um, I don't know, some, I think the State Historic Society or something had it, put an app together, like, visit Historic Tuscaloosa. And when you download the app and go through town, it, they um, license the song from me, Ruins. So as you're going through, you're listening to Ruins as you're looking at Ruins. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get there, uh, but uh, we'll... Stuart, he wanted me to ask you, uh, while we're on the matter of songwriting, mm -hmm. um, what has here done for you? Why, what has Greensboro done since you've been here? Greensboro, oh my God. So this is... And I don't want to get too far ahead in the timeline. Uh -huh. Okay, so I moved here a y two years ago, and I've never really lived in such a small place. And I was warned before we got here, like, don't try to be the town eccentric because everybody's crazy, okay? And it's, like, so refreshing. <laughs> it is so refreshing from Nashville, where you walk into a bar and you see people you know, and everyone you talk to is saying hello to you and looking over your shoulder for someone 
more important and bigger. Yeah. And here people are just like so straightforward and it has given me like just like opportunity to like I'm not I used to write about places like this romantically, but now I'm like living in the place and that's so different. You know what I mean? It is so different to like be an outside viewer. So, yeah. And now that I'm inside of it, it's like, oh, I have such a different vantage point that's so much more interesting and like deeper. Like so I can talk about coming, people. It was and, coming from yeah. a place of fantasy, but now you're like you're living in that yeah. bubble. Exactly. And it's so Is it for better or worse or both? Well, you know, when you pull the sheet back on sort of a fantasy dream or whatever, like, oh, you know, living in a big house in the heart of town, you know, it's like such a thing. And like now I'm like fixing plumbing constantly and um, I'm moving. We bought the house across the street. We're moving there. And I feel like this house that I'm living in now where we're recording is trying to kick me out. Like it knows I'm going and it's like pushing me yes. away. <laughs> yeah. However, there's a lot of like romanticism in that too. Like every, this is an old little city in West Alabama mm -hmm. with a lot of history and a lot of really bloody history, especially when it comes to racial um, issues and um, being able to be face to face with that and seeing people interacting with each other like I know when I go other places in Alabama and I say I live in Greensboro they say oh um, isn't it real dangerous there and it's like no it's it's really black here mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's dangerous it, it's 80% African American and um, to me I love that I say I see people and everyone here though White people are people. We live together. We shop together. We got one grocery store, mm -hmm. and we know what's going on, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and um, we got a couple police officers, and everyone knows them, too. And we used to have four. Now we have two. Two went to go work at the catfish farm because they paid better. <laughs> Can't blame them I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell that. We also have the, the sheriff's here, okay? County seat. <laughs> um, no, but living here is really... Um, I'm writing from a insider's vantage point which is much more interesting you know it's like instead of going inward i feel like i've gone like under and it's like i've snuck in and i'm like oh, really? what's going on you know oh i'm one of these i am now here i am i am from this place and that's a different mentality and so my boyfriend aaron head aaron sanders head he's from hope hole alabama on grady like he's from small town Mm -hmm. And so coming here was, like, no change for him. It was, like, just roots. But for me, I'm from Detroit and then a tourist trap in the, in, on the beach. Yeah. You know, and so now I'm like, oh, this is, like, real life. And I don't really know if I've ever really lived real life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know. That's how I feel about that, Will. Yeah, Will Stewart. I can relate. It's like Kennedy is a small town, man. Mm -hmm. Smaller than this. You blink, you miss it. Yeah. It's got a caution light. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. We got a gas station and a post office box and a place to get your hair cut. <laughs> oh, yeah. And our post office right here across the street, up the street. It is like the happening joint. Everyone's just in there every day. It all day long, everyone's just beating there. <laughs> <laughs> the, town, uh, the town we get together. Exactly. Well, cool, man. Uh, let's get back to uh, Tuscaloosa. 
Uh, we got Bible study. Uh, Empires is trying to get you um, with. Yeah. And so bigger. Anne was getting us with bigger people. We're playing different shows just around. And, you know, she also was just. You know, she's a music writer. She was, she's just trying to get more music happening in town. Uh-huh. And, you know, the Bama Theater was doing an acoustic night um, in the front room, and that was super cool and fun. And Hooray for the Riff Raff came down and played. And Do you think the prominence of Alabama football hurt the music scene a bit, even with the amphitheater being built? Because right now it seems like Tuscaloosa only has Druid City Brewing. Yeah, I'm going to say um, that... I don't know so much of it's the football, but, like, the amphitheater doesn't support Alabama music, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. if they're bringing in giant acts. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. The South is a funny place. I'm reading um, Sally Mann, the photographer's um, autobiography now, and she lives in Lexington, and uh, she talks about, like, the South doesn't really have a collector base. People, it's like... Birmingham, let's say, goes to shops in Atlanta. Atlanta shops in New York. New York shops in London. You know, it's like it's always somewhere else. And yeah. people like us down here, and because we're exotic, I think. When I introduce as an Alabama songwriter in Ca- Oakland, California, people are like, "Oh, how can you live there? How can it's like?" Yeah. You know, I played a show in um, another brewery. I'm gonna say actually the breweries probably for smaller touring songwriters and bands the breweries really are supporting the music scene in a much bigger way than um i think anything else is even like diy spaces of course but the breweries are like the institutional space now yeah which is i play um uh big beach i I play oh yeah um i play Big Beach Brewing down in, um... Oh, down in Gulf Shores. Gulf Shores. Yeah. That place has really come up, man. Yeah, and they have a lot of lot of great music coming in through there. And they're just open to a Fairhope Brewing down there. I played a brewery in San Jose, um, Camino Brewing Company. and But I played this song. I have this song called White Youth about the um, Charleston um, massacre, you know, when that little white kid went in and shot up the church African um, Methodist Episcopal Church and um, when I sang that song and I talked about it you know which is like all this stuff starts at home and not even in ways people necessarily read as racist it's just the way people talk or whatever you know and that gets yeah. in people's psyches and so I'm talking about that kind of stuff and this woman came up to me afterwards she said you know that white youth song doesn't really hit hard here she's like we don't really we're, we don't really have racism problems. Like, oh, you don't have racism problems in California? <laughs> this is news to me. I yeah. mean, let's talk about... Um, I mean, this is before um, the Black Lives Matter movement like, um, went so into high before, gear this, this year. Oh, I thought it was going back to uh, Trayvon Martin when BLM first started. Exactly. And so, I mean, it, yes. And it, it's, but it got hijacked. Well, I don't know about the, ori- like, the original movie. You know, the original founders—they got—they were found dead in cars. Yes, I know. And Ferguson and all the yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's all. I mean, we have to. Did you watch the Watchmen, um, the HBO show? And it's yeah. sort of, And it's like, oh my god! Like, I know it's a fantasy world, but it's almost too real. And it's 
it's all, I think it's almost too hard for a lot of people to even think about, and so they don't want to think about it or interact with it. And I'm going to say a little bit like I'm... I was like... I'm always sort of hesitant on what I say because I'm not an expert, too, right? Yeah. I mean, and so... Uh, the, the musician, I think, who talks the best about a lot of these issues is Lee Baines. And yeah. Lee Baines, he is so poignant and straightforward, and he does not mince words. And that's like what we need in this time. <laughs> Direct, straightforwardness. I want to say it was the last time that he came to Druid City, uh, you know, Bo made a post about it. And it was like the perfect thing to say. It's like uh, we have our political musician coming. Or, you know, or <laughs> however he worded it, yeah. I was like, you couldn't just put it any better because he's very, like you described it perfectly, it's very straightforward. Yeah. Well, you know um, how you get those um, superlatives in your high school yearbook or whatever. It's like most outgoing, most yeah. likely to succeed. And I had a um, Facebook memory, which I will tell all the viewers or listeners to your podcast, Facebook memories is a great way to clean up all those friends you don't know anymore, all that stupid shit you said through the years. <laughs> oh, no, no, delete, delete, delete. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I had a Facebook memory of um, like my first post, and it was like taking those superlative pictures my senior year, and me and this other girl got... Um, like most talkative or something and it was like oh we weren't the most talkative we were the most liberal <laughs> we were the most outspoken liberals and I, just, I messaged her about it she's like yeah I think everyone in, down on the beach thought we were pretty annoying on our starting young democrats on our soapbox <laughs> and everyone else just wanted to fish and vote for George Bush <laughs> um, That's good, so <laughs> Okay, let's go back. Ann Powers, she is like, she is one of my best friends and is a very interesting friend to have because she's done it all. I mean, she was New York Times, LA Times, Village Voice, now NPR Music, and she's just like been. So when I moved to Nashville after Tuscaloosa, well, I was in Tuscaloosa. I would go to Huntsville, I was the director of a house museum. Preservation is just something I I got involved with like when I graduated college and I didn't have a job, you know? And I was like, oh, but there's a museum at the end of my street. Let's go see if I can work there. And so, yeah. um, and you know, I live so in old houses. You, you and did I did finish with political science? I finished my political science degree. And um, then I, everyone was like, what do you do now? And I was like, hmm. And, and the tornado hit. Yeah. Tuscaloosa. That was the year. I didn't even have to take any finals. The tornado oh, was, wiped out half the That was 2011, town. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had just left. I was at uh, Shelton State. That's where I was going to school at that time. I had just gotten out of Northport when that tornado came through. Really? Yeah. We went to... Um, my mom called. She was freaking out. She's like, where are you? I said, uh, dude, I'm on my way home. She's like, okay. Yeah. She said, have you heard the news? What news? Uh, Tuscaloosa got finger of God Yeah. Oh, my God. So a week before the tornado, um, there were these straight-line winds that apparently only hit my block downtown. And there was big old oak trees, and one fell right over, and it came through, fell through one house, hit the building next door to it, and then stabbed through my bedroom window. And I was in bed, and I felt like I heard the wind I was like oh that's crazy it was like a big thunderbolt and then the wind and I felt these like fingertips all over my body and I was like I have to get out of this room and as I was running through the room that wall just boom just came in and um 
I went downstairs and my neighbors were out there and they're like, wow, crazy weather. I was like, a tree's through the house. You know, we're running around like crazy people. And um, so then that's a week before the tornado. The morning of the tornado, there another tree fell and crushed my roommate and Bible study bandmate Emily's car, her Volvo wagon was crushed. And then when we knew that tornado was coming, it was weird. The sky was weird all day. The weather felt weird. And I was like, Christ, everything's falling on our houses. We can't stay here. So we went to Will Hagen's and we were in the freezer uh, with our drinks and cigarettes, just standing like, what's happening? And, you know, we'd go outside every once in a while and there'd be like, it looked like the river was like a water spout. It was moving crazy. Mm -hmm. And then we went back to the block and nothing happened. We had power and everyone was like, yeah, I guess when it's bad everywhere else, we're okay. But <laughs> we had some tornado refugees come and live with us for a few weeks until everything got restored and, yeah. and so that's when I got a job in, um, at the museum at the end of the street. I was done with school needed some income so and then from there I moved to Huntsville for like a year and a half and I was working for um, the Wheaton House Museum which is an old house these old houses if it's an old house I'm in it um, <laughs> no matter where and um, uh, I was, it was really interesting, interesting people, cool scene, art scene especially, um, smaller music scene, but I didn't really know about the Florence Muscle Shoals people yet. Yeah. And I played a show with the Polys out of Florence, who are um, Dylan LeBlanc's backup band, and um, I sort of like, that sort of got my year and I was like you know we were sort of thinking oh maybe we'll move to Florence or something and then we're like we'll just go to Nashville so was Bible study moving with you at this time no Bible study we pl we did the worst thing you could do we released an album and our album release show was the last show we played and um, that's not a great way to sell CDs uh, <laughs> but Corey was moving to Alaska to get her MFA and um, we had already planned to go to Huntsville and so it was a thing so that happened Huntsville Huntsville's like a blip in the timeline and then Nashville and Nashville's like I didn't know how you did this you know what I mean I didn't know how you got to be a musician and how you really made money mm -hmm. but I listened to a lot of um, comedian podcasts mm -hmm. especially like the Jackie and Lori show and they just talk about oh yeah when you're a comic you just email and call people and book shows and I was like oh that's probably the same way with music turns yeah. out it is yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I moved to Nashville and then like booked my first tour through like the southeast but and I relied on a lot of kindness from strangers and people who knew better from me and sound guys who um, were nice <laughs> there aren't a lot. Did you some sound guys uh, are not nice. And, uh, I never did. No. Oh man, I, f I feel like that'd be a cool little place for you. I know. I never been to Tupelo. I've been to Memphis. I like Memphis, and I like um, my track. I usually did was I tried to go. Th somehow I tried to hit Atlanta, but I always wanted to figure out how to get down to New Orleans. Yeah. And New Orleans has been really good to me. And I started playing with a guy in Nashville, Danish jazz guitarist named. Um, Mastelsgard and he moved when he moved down to New Orleans I was like okay you can like corner this for me and so he was booking everything so I was still in Nashville and we do these runs back and forth um this is all in the before times you know before coronavirus yeah. times um but Nashville's its own chapter yeah 
Let's, Ask let's, me questions. I feel like I'm just talking so much. So tell me about uh, David Newbold. We got a mutual friend. How did uh, how did how did y'all meet? Okay, so David Newbold. Okay, so I go to Nashville. Um, I'm doing these little runs of shows, and it's just not enough to make Nashville rent. You have to hustle in Nashville. You have got to. Yeah. And so. I got a job at this little vegan restaurant in our neighborhood in East Nashville called The Wild Cow. Um, come here, kitten. And um, David Newbold's wife was working there at the time, Kim, yeah. who's from New Orleans. Um, and she, and I guess, I don't know, she was like, oh, my um, husband's a musician, David Newbold. I, I didn't really know. I didn't know anyone in Nashville when I moved there. Ann Powers had moved there the same time we moved to Huntsville. She was just like, why are you in Huntsville? Come to Nashville. Yeah. Um, and I had, at the end of our street, a little, um, uh, I'm going to say it's like DIY space. It had been bigger. It was a place that sort of moved around called Radio Cafe. It had opened up in an old car dealership. Uh-huh. And um, David Newbold was sort of doing a residency there. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can just walk down with my Yeti full of vodka and uh, see the show and then walk home. And um, he uh, was nice enough to have me on a few of his shows he put together at Dee's Country Cocktail Lounge up in Madison, the other yeah. side of East Nashville. Um, I don't know. When you're in Nashville, you meet all of these people that have really storied lives, and he's sort of had a huge career. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's Canadian, he New York, New York, Texas. He, oh, the whole Texas and Austin and everything. And he actually <laughs> set me up when I was going to Texas. He gave me a name of a lot of places to play, and he was just like, "I don't know, um, what's still open." He's like, "These desert places pop up, <laughs> go away." Yeah, um, I did a run from. Little Rock to Marfa one time, and that was an interesting um, and fun. I didn't know what I was going to get into every night. And so first time going out that way? Yeah, I'd never been that far west. Yeah, so what was that like, man? Like, uh, as far as, like, expectation versus, like, what it was when you got there? Well, I'm going to say that I got a star treatment because in Marfa... My partner Aaron was teaching at Chinati, the big museum there, and we got to stay in the compound. And so we got, we felt sort of like artist royalty. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. I played a show to no one. And then, <laughs> but, you know, I had a great time. And then, a lot of this is like, you know, stabbing in the dark. Sometimes you get a crowd you don't expect, <coughs> and other times you get like, you expect a lot and you get nothing. Yeah. Um, that's okay, you know. You always meet some. If I, my goal is always just like, if the bartender likes me, and if a few people at the bar turn around, I'm like, who is that? And then I've had a successful evening. Yeah. Sometimes I'm gonna say some of those smaller shows are better than the bigger ones, you know. Because yeah. yeah, I, I would assume maybe, uh, I mean, they're there for the music, whether they like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are just happy something's happening. Yeah. That's how you know. In you know West Alabama, everyone seems to be really supportive of us because we're just happy someone's here. Yeah, you know, thanks for coming. We're like, yeah, we're putting down roots. Mm-hmm. So, man, like just getting out of Nashville, um, what is what are some of the things that you learned there, and uh, what caused you to leave? Okay, I learned um, how to make an album there. I didn't know how. I was it DIY. You did it yourself, or uh, so I. Jack Thomason, who played guitar on the record, who's from Birmingham, uh, was in a band at the time. That's called... how you met Will. 
Yeah, well, Will McCarley? Stewart. Oh, Will Stewart. Um, must have been. Either through him or Parker McAnally. So, Jack was in a band called The Prescriptions, which is on Single Lock, the Florence uh-huh. label. And um, I knew Jack. He lived on the block in Tuscaloosa that was demolished. And he was living up there with this band. They were making a go of it and getting started. And um, when I got up there, I was like, oh, how do I... I need to make an album. Like, I'm playing all these shows. I have nothing to sell. Like, and I didn't understand the power of the merch table, um, that people want to buy something from you. And I was like, oh, just, I'm here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, he was like, oh, you need to talk to Parker McAnally, who's producing the Prescriptions record. He's from Birmingham as well. And, um, I was like, cool. And so he and I were sort of on the same page and it was John Wood, Parker Mac, John Wood on drums, Parker McAnally, bass and producing and engineering and Jack Thomason. And we hold up and... We went from Nashville down to Falkville, Alabama, um, near Coleman, and we just holed up for a week in this old schoolhouse Parker's family owns. It's, we turned into a studio, uh-huh. and we hammered it out, hammered out the album there, and then we took it back to Nashville and recorded with um, at Battle Tapes in East Nashville. It's a really cool um, home uh, studio, uh, and. We did Keys there with Alex Caress from Little Bandit, who plays with Adia Victoria and Margot Price. And um, uh, Kashana Armstrong came and sang backup vocals on it. Really um, powerful um, sort of a folk rock activist uh, black singer. And um, then I didn't really know how you put out an album. Yeah. I didn't realize that, like, I had to do all this work, okay? This is my whole thing. My whole life I'm, like, living in a fantasy, and I'm just like, things will happen, and then, like, nothing happens. I'm like, oh, I have to do it, and I have to learn how to do it. I have to make it happen. (laughs) This is how this works. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) I learned that lesson, like, all the time. But it's never too late, I guess. Yeah. Um, And then, um, in Nashville, yeah, I learned how to make an album. I learned the power of just showing up. I went to so many shows. I made friends with, tried to make as many friends as I could. Mm-hmm. And they're outside of the country music scene. There's a really cool, like rock and roll. Yeah, so um, like East Americana, Nashville. East Nashville, and Americana. I mean, I get lumped in with Americana because I lived in Nashville. Um, and it's a really Americana is a really supportive community of listeners, and I'm happy to be lend my songs to it. Um, but it's really all-encompassing. Yeah. You can be anything and be Americana. Yeah. You don't even like, have to be American. That's right. Yeah. When, that, when you know, when someone describes a singer-songwriter or a music group and they say Americana, it's like, that's very broad terms. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're very far past, like, it just being Guy Clark and Emmy Lou Harris. <laughs> yeah. And John Prine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. And when I made the album, it is so different than what I thought I wanted it to be. I made a Americana rock and roll um, sort of banger of an album, and that's if I had, if it, someone said like, "Here is money and go do this," I would have hired like a string quartet and. Um, Yoko Ono to come and scream while I sang. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't have, like, it's so, 
it's so different, but it was so much more powerful to do it this way and to do it with people who knew what they were doing. Yeah. Bible study, we didn't know what we were doing, but we felt like we had a little magic. And when we recorded our our album and a weekend in Baton Rouge and someone's house for like, it was like a drunken daiquiri fest. <laughs> it wasn't anything like, I'm proud that we did it, but I don't encourage everyone to go out and listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm always like, I don't know. And so um, I learned that in Nashville. And I learned, like, you have to make things happen for yourself. That you have to ask. And no one tells you that. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're going to get, like, you're going to be like, oh, if I sing while I walk to the mailbox, someone's going to hear me. And then I'm going to be a star. And I'm going to be rich. And it's like, no. It's not that at all. It is a very slow grind of hustling and emailing and doing a lot of stuff you don't think that you would ever have to do but you just do it i didn't think i'd be waiting tables you know i had a career and Huntsville, like a career job with a salary and i took a leap into you know the unknown just thinking like well you know no one sounds like me i can do it yeah. and when i got there and then you like see a bunch of people that sort of sort look of like do. you and sort of sound like you're like oh who am i yeah who am i really and that makes you deep it's that uh, that big fish little pun yeah like wherever you were, you were probably you were probably the biggest fish in that pond. Yeah, and I don't even like to be a fish. I like to be like a frog <laughs> on a lily pad. And like I don't want to do too much. <laughs> like I want to sort of get in and out of the water. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's sort of like my trajectory. It's sort of and I remember people in Nashville were really when I said I'm moving to back to Alabama. We're gonna go to Greensboro and get a big house and everyone we want everyone to come down and we can make something happen yeah and make it like create whatever we want and um everyone's like no you're just getting started how could you leave and i was like i know what this is about i get it yeah you know i i get how this works and i'm not gonna write the songs you guys want to put on the radio you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i don't want to do that and yeah. i know that i have so that's how you got here yeah and i was like i know i have an audience i've gone and i find it and if people will just listen to me one time, I can get them, you know? And so that's been, you know, my mantra, you know? Yeah. Two mantras. Eat it like an apple. And also, like, nobody does what you do. And I just, like, remind myself when I get frustrated. Like, nobody does this. Nobody writes the songs you write about. So, mm -hmm. so tell me about the, uh, the plan for Greensboro, man. It kind of ties back into, like, the Will Stewart question of why Greensboro? What is it done for yeah. songwriting? and what you and your boyfriend are doing for this scene here. Let's talk about that. Well, I mean, so Greensboro's interesting in that it's always been, like, a little bit of an artist haven. So even, like, in the 1930s, um, uh, a photographer from the Works Progress Administration, and then later, you know, famous photographer, um, whose name I can't remember now, of course, but it'll come to me as I speak, um, he took pictures of all these old houses and of the farm workers, you know, and it turned into the book, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, and that's all Hale County, and, you know, names were changed of the cities for the book's purpose, and then um, William Christianberry, folk artist, is from here, and Rural Studio is a um, uh, design-build architecture program, so they bring all these uh, Auburn architecture students and they come and live here for two or three years and they have to build something and it can be as whimsical or utilitarian as it needs to be mm -hmm. um, but it just has to be for the community or it has to be a house for someone who needs one and so there's a community spirit here that way um, 
our friend Ian Crawford, who's a professor at UA who we knew in Tuscaloosa for years, on a whim sort of came down to Greensboro and had seen this big antebellum mansion that was for sale, you know, yeah. foreclosed on, and he bought it. And so we kept coming down and visiting him, and we were just like, this is insane. All this stuff is just here, and all these people... Greensboro is sort of like, has this interesting, like, cultural and education level um, to it that maybe not a lot of other small towns have, because it's a lot of older people who move and have done stuff, and then they move back. Yeah. Um, and so we were just like, you know, we can come here and... At that time, Aaron was teaching a lot of workshops, natural dyeing and textile workshops on the road. And I was playing shows anywhere I could. And so um, we were like, well, we live on the road anyway. Why are we paying $1,500 a month in Nashville when we could pay nothing, you know, a third of that yeah. in Greensboro? Yeah. And we can build a life and we can invite people in and be like, come down. Yeah. And um, everyone who comes here, like, they get it. You have to come down. And once you're here, you get it. Yeah. It moves at a different space, which is a little bit slower, maybe too slow at times for my liking. Uh, <laughs> but man, that's that's tip for tat when I tell people about Kennedy and uh, old girlfriend. When I lived out in Mobile, I brought her up to Kennedy, meet the family. Uh-huh. And uh, dude, no way, no way would I ever live there. Yeah, time doesn't move. It's like time crawls there. There's no way. I was like, it's it's one of them things. It's either like like you say, it's like you just have to come here and then you'll get it, or yeah. it's, you just have to come here and like you'll never come back again. Yeah, it's you know Tuscaloosa is forty five minutes away, mm -hmm. and the people who live in Tuscaloosa, when we say, oh, come down to Greensboro, like come see the studio and the shop, and you know we're gonna yeah. do this or whatever, um, people are just like, oh god, they act like it's sixteen hours away. Yeah, and I remember that, but I guess maybe now that I've been on on the road for so long and I can do like an eight hour drive to play a 30 minute set it's like time has already disappeared as a factor in my life mm -hmm. it's just um I don't know I think that when we went to Nashville we did have a little bit of an expectation that we had maybe in Huntsville and in Tuscaloosa of like oh we can move here and we can like jump in and we can like take the town and hell no, Nashville don't let anybody take the town. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> there are too many people, you know, like alligators gnashing at you constantly. And everybody wants, you know, everybody wants you to pay, like, for favors that you don't owe them is the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. and so It's a weird place, man. I've, I've been up there four times podcasting and like uh, with Munson Brothers. Uh, we, we went and worked the uh, Tomato Fest one time uh -huh. and sold uh, our wares up there. But like, it very dog-eat-dog, -dog, it seems like. Yeah. And it's, I played with Sarah Cahoon, um, Seattle, uh, singer-songwriter when she came through Birmingham. And, um, she was like, so what's it like in Nashville? And I had just moved there. I was like, oh, it's like, um, you know, it's cool. There's a lot of, like, different scenes. And she was like, I've always heard it's really clicky. And I was, and, like, I don't know if she said it that, like, opened my eyes. I was like, oh, it is. And yeah. it can be. You have to, and maybe it's a little bit like the L.A. thing. That's Los Angeles, not Lower Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> and, we do uh, need to clarify, though. Sometimes, sometimes for LA. people, yeah. not Louisiana, not Lower Alabama, yeah. Los Angeles, um, city of Angles. <laughs> and um, 
it's sort of like I, I've heard people say like they don't take you no one takes you seriously unless you've been here 10 years and I think Nashville's a little bit the longer you're there yeah a lot the of more people, clout the more clout but a lot of people like I guess I'm one of them who was just like bye like I did it I get it I don't like hustling this hard to I don't I don't like having to like worry about paying rent you know what I mean and it's sort of like I don't like that kind of hustle what do you think about this is like this is my hope with like I don't you know I don't know what music's gonna look like even early 2021 I hope we begin to see shows yeah. and it becomes a thing again as we hopefully come out of this but um like take Greensboro and nurturing a scene is like man this would be this would be the golden ticket this would be the this would be the cow for me is if we could create these spots all yeah. over the map oh yeah whether it's just house shows or small little DIYs that you can you can run a circuit you want to know something Debbie Bond blues musician Tuscaloosa she said um, she always talks about like the old juke joint trails you know you could go all these different joints here's the run yeah we gotta get back to that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I have a friend in um, but New Orleans believe... who books the place. She said the same thing. She's like, yeah. it's just gonna be left up, left us all of us freaks who live in the middle of nowhere. Her just gonna be like, come over here, and then you can jump yeah. forty-five minutes here and over here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But what do you think it'll create bubbles of like notoriety? Like you'll be, let's just say, if you got on a East Texas kick, like, like take Adam Hood, who is like from Opelika, lives in Tuscaloosa mm -hmm. now, but is very well respected in Texas. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy how, like, you get little pockets. Yeah. People are just, like, nuts over you. Well, it's funny how that happens. I don't really know the... Because, like, I'm, don't, I'm not famous in Greensboro. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not really famous anywhere. But, like, if I go to Nashville, I'm probably going to go into a few places and see, like, several people I know who have seen me will have something to say where it's, oh, cool. And, but I don't think anybody, like... I don't know, Tuscaloosa I can get a draw, New Orleans I can get a draw, but then sometimes I can go to like, play a show in um, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and there will be a hundred people, and then I'll play a show in Gulf Shores where I grew up and I went to high school and no one will be there. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, who knows? Yeah. I mean, something happens in the ether that like, builds these, but I don't know, what I hope after all of this is, is that, yes, I know that it's awful, a lot of these DIY spaces and nightclubs and stuff they're closing down and it's like it sucks yeah but maybe in some other respect it's like the onus is on us and music lovers and performers it's like we'll build it right where you are yeah it's kind of a build it they'll come kind of thing yeah and That's we will people that. will yeah we'll find a way yeah I'm not too worried about it I know it's all gonna come back as soon as we all get our shots yeah. I haven't played since March for anybody. I played like in the yard with a couple people one time for fun. Friend from Birmingham brought an accordion, but like I'm scared. I don't wanna get sick. Yeah. I don't like to have a headache. <laughs> like I don't wanna get I don't wanna have trouble breathing. Yeah. And everyone in this town's old. And you, know, you cough on Main Street, you could wipe it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that man. Well, anything else to add or subtract anywhere else? Oh, my God. Well, I meant nothing I said. Uh. <laughs> oh, let me go here. Let me go here. Uh, this is the James Mullis question. Uh -huh. it, is, uh, it could be your own or something you heard while you were just at a show. Or maybe it was somebody that opened or closed for you. It is the worst stage banner you've ever heard. The worst stage ban banner? Oh, my God. It's probably something I said. Um <laughs> 
Oh, God. I'm not going to talk down on anybody. Yeah, um, you don't have to call them out. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll just say that I played a show in Santa Barbara that was a house show, and this man named... Uh, older Native American gentleman named Sunbear sat like right next to me. Like usually people give you your space, you're the performer, yeah. and he sat like right next to me. And I finished a song I have about a little girl who's playing on the wrong side of the tracks or whatever and he in front of, like he, he actually he was like a ventriloquist or something. He just sort of pop up at times and talk and he looked at me and said, You know some fucked up people <laughs> And it just sort of threw me for a loop. <laughs> I was trying to build a vibe and for the rest of the time I was just laughing at myself. <laughs> That's good. You know some fucked thank you, Sunbear. <laughs> That's perfect. That's a good that's a good one. Well, man, I don't have anything else. You got anything else you'd like to add or subtract? No. Um, well, let's talk about like ways to get in touch, uh, social media, how can they get your album? Okay, yeah, so um, you can find me at timhigginsmusic.com. Um, I have a few music videos up on there, um, all pretty much filmed in Greensboro. Um, I just caught the clip of the clip you put up on Instagram. Uh-huh, Take Me Away, uh-huh. and we filmed that in a... Still of a building downtown, and um, uh, Rolling Stone put that one out, and that was really exciting to have. Every once in a while, I like to sort of pop out, remind people I'm still here. And um, Blight, we filmed in the old opera house downtown. That they locked the door in 1935, and no one's really been in it since. And so yeah. the upstairs is just the this ghost of a theater that's just untouched, and oh. that's really cool to check out. And then. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram mostly at Real Tim Higgins. I took a cue from Amy Mann, who's real Amy Mann, and I tried to use just my name, and it wasn't there. Who's yeah. this other Tim Higgins? Um, yeah, so I only have one album out under my name called Blight, and then um, Bible Study has an album called Guilt Trip, which you have to put in Bible Study Guilt Trip because if you just put in Bible Study, we get lost in the yeah. series of tubes that is the internet. Um, and then here pretty soon I'm going to start working on the next album. You just I just, I have a lot more to say, I think, and um a much different vantage point is the next one I'm you know, I'm going to be coming at it from and musically, I think, and the narrator in it as well. Great, man. Cool. Well, you want to close us out one more song? Cool. Um let me play you a um have to get this kitten off my lap. This is going to be on the next album. Um, It's called You're Going to Get Real Lost in Heaven. And it's dedicated to all those bar flies and wallflowers and everyone that I see at all my shows. Who I'm happy are there when I got to play shows.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.